Hello, my name is Stuart Bowes. Welcome to this week's Net Hero podcast. The world is about to end. Bills are going to be crippling us. Uh, we've had Earth overshoot day earlier than ever. Fat cat energy bosses are making killer profits. And even the pound shop, things aren't a pound, they're £1.25. So you could say this is all doom and gloom and we, we should just give up. But how do we navigate the world of rising energy bills? This past week, we've heard of what's happened across Europe, where they've agreed to try and reduce, I mean, how they're gonna do it, I don't know, by 15% their gas consumption. Russia's pretty much holding Germany to ransom. People are saying perhaps Germany will go into recession. Here, we're facing unmitigated pressure on rising costs because energy being a driving factor, and it's caused consternation with the two leadership, the Tory leadership hopefuls, because both Sunak and Trust are trying to work out how they would deal with this issue. But could we really face a future where some have predicted energy bills of three, maybe even £4,000 by January? Facts that could really make your, not just your personal life at Incaust, but would really affect the way all businesses pass on cost to consumers because someone's going to have to pay for it. Well, joining me today on the Net Hero podcast is Senior Manager Adam Jones from the consultancy firm BFY Group. Uh, Adam, good to speak to you. Hi, Simit. Good to speak to you, too. I think you guys had a look at this, didn't you? And you suggested that the, the, the price cap will be jumping and bills could be up as high as possibly £500 a month by January. Give, give us an idea of how you came to this, because if you look at where, where things are, I, I don't know. Every analyst is telling me things are going up, you know, from 2,800 to 3,000 to 38. I mean, where, where's it all coming from? Yes. So Ofgem have a, a methodology they use to calculate the price cap, um, which they share with suppliers and is open to for anybody to look at. Within that methodology, there's, a, there's an element of the, the cost of wholesale energy, so the cost that energy retailers, energy suppliers will pay for electricity and gas on the wholesale market. Yeah. There's a particular method they use to calculate that element. And they, they started observing the price of these, the, the energy for the electricity and gas back in February. And we've been monitoring that, that same wholesale price over the, the back end of winter and into the summer period. As the wholesale price of gas and electricity has risen, so has our estimate of what the price cap will be for, for Q4 and Q1. So where we're at at the moment, given how gas prices have shot up uh, most recently, um, is we're looking at for Q4, so October, November, December this year, about £3,400 for, for an annual bill. And then as we go into January, February, March next year, we see that stepping up even further to just over £3,800, which kind of based on a, a typical consumer's usage over January is looking like about £500 for January alone. This is We're talking domestic here, aren't we? Yes, we are, yes. Yeah. yeah. If you look at where we are, Let's give some context. Three or four years ago, what would my energy bill be on average? About three or four years back, um, about a thousand pounds would be kind of a, a typical level for, a, for an energy bill. Yeah. So, I, I, and, and that's kind of, you know, where I was. I was about 700, something like that, because I lived in a smaller flat. I've, I've moved to a bigger house and, and things obviously have gone up. If we look at this, before we talk about businesses, which is clearly our main audience, where are the drivers for this? Because you could just say this is all about Russia invading Ukraine, but it's a bit more subtle than that, isn't it? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, for, for domestic customers, for kind of for normal households, the, the largest driver is the, the cost of wholesale energy. So that's what's driving the, the overall price cap up. And yeah, it's, I guess it's easy to say that it's, um, you know, Russia's intervention in Ukraine and then Russia holding um, Europe's ransom on gas is the, is the cause of this. I guess it's slightly more subtle than that in that you know, for us in the UK, we don't get a lot of our gas directly from. Uh, yeah, from we're Russia. quite lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got we've got good flows coming from uh, from Norway and from the UK continental shelf as well. However, we are part of a, a much broader globally connected gas market. That's having a knock on impact into into our UK markets, and it really all stems from our kind of our reliance on gas, both for heating mm. our homes and for power generation. So we are kind of at the mercy of global markets, really, when it comes to our uh, domestic prices. You worked in the energy sector, right, directly for a supplier before you became a consultant. So you'll remember the, the trilemma, right? You'll remember all of the stuff. No one ever talks about the trilemma anymore. It's quite funny that. But, you know, the, the whole thing was we were going to transition 10, 12 years ago. There was going to be a bridging period. Then we we're going to bring on nuclear, more wind. You know, as a nation, I'm talking about us specifically rather than globally, but also you know, the world was about to take a massive stride towards more nuclear energy until Fukushima happened. So Germany, I remember, was about to sign off on about something like half a dozen nuclear power stations, and it just did a complete about face and imported shed loads more gas. Japan, actually, funnily enough, did the same with LNG. So is a lot of this historically going back for, for the lack of action, all nations, particularly our nation, though, as well, on having other baseload forms of energy. Yeah, and that that's exactly it. You know, you only got to look over to to France and the uh, the French nuclear fleet becoming even more and more uncertain as to how much um, generation we're going to get from from their nuclear fleet over the winter, which again is feeding into UK prices on the power side. And yes, we've just not had that level of investment into into new technology. I guess the the amount of generation we're getting is is one element of the the puzzle. I guess the other element is kind of the amount that we're consuming. Yeah, um, I guess in the UK, yeah we're got, not. Yeah, you've nailed it, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, we've got in the UK. You know, we've got poor housing stock in terms of energy efficiency. We've got an over reliance on gas boilers for heating. So, you know, once we get into October, November time and the temperatures start to drop, those gas boilers are going to come on and that's when we see consumers' bills rise and our demand for gas just going up and up and up. And, you know, it's, it's the same across Europe and kind of the amount of gas that we require just to maintain a decent standard of living is, is only going up at the moment unless we do something to address our overall gas consumption. What does this all mean for businesses? You've, you've outlined quite clearly you know, the, the external factors, and obviously we know what's going on with the, the consumer bill, which is all of us, right, our, our home bill. But businesses will be hit by this as well. What's your analysis on how it will affect the business market? Yes, I mean, in terms of, um, kind of we've got heavy industry that still heavily reliant on gas consumption. And, you know, these are industries that are nationally significant. We've got kind of competitive advantages from having our own um, heavy industry in the UK. And, I guess the, the ability for, for us as a country to continue to allow those businesses to operate in the way they currently do uh, is kind of nationally critical. I guess at the same time, we need to be offering the ability for these businesses to be able to access kind of flexibility within the power market, for instance. So what can they do in terms of shifting their, their power load from kind of 
extensive peak times into kind of cheaper overnight periods. And um, what can they do in terms of um, access to whether that's hydrogen generation uh, and things like that? So moving away from pure gas focus and moving into their ability to access more kind of cutting edge technology uh, on the power generation side. I mean, the steel industry, I mean, just this week, you know, people are talking about Tata, you know, Tata Steel, which obviously is important to our work. And, you know, should there be subsidies for it to decarbonize, to, to use hydrogen, um, because it is so, so critical. Um, these are sort of the issues that actually, in a way, to do a low carbon transition, you have to decarbonize major industry, don't you? Yes, absolutely. But who's going who's gonna to pay for it, Adam? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, the, the consumer pays for it, whether that's through uh, directly through energy bills or whether that's through general taxation. And I guess that depends on how the, the cost of decarbonisation uh, is ultimately funded. I guess you could say that industry as a whole, as a member of the broader society, has a right and obligation to do what they can to decarbonise their operations. However, you've also got to recognise that the, the cost of decarbonisation, it's not cheap. And so ultimately that gets passed, will get passed through to kind of end users, whether that's through kind of uh, consumers of steel or consumers of, of other heavy industry output. What's the solution in the short term? Because you could just say, I, I, don't, I don't like promoting ideas that people have of you know, civil unrest and don't pay your bill and all that. I, just, I don't think that's a functioning society. But we have to be honest, there will be a lot of people that will struggle very, very in very, very difficult circumstances. There are a lot of businesses facing ultimate pressures. Um, especially after the pandemic and just just starting to try and recover out of it. In the short term, what, what, what can businesses do and consumers do? The, the real pressing uh, or looming crisis is what are people going to do over winter? You know, people, if you look at uh, domestic consumers, there will be a lot of people kind of struggling to make that decision between heating and eating. It's, it's a kind of, it's a national challenge we've got to face into is to how do we support the most vulnerable customers in the UK um, at the most challenging time of the year? How do we support them to continue to have a reasonable standard of living where they can continue to eat, they can continue to feed their children, continue to heat their homes to a level that you would expect of any first world country, if I'm honest. Yeah. And that has to come through from central support. For, so for you're, you're talking about more, more, more government money then, basically. That's... that's the only way we're going to get the, yeah. the level of support that the most vulnerable people in society need to receive. Yeah. You know, you know, we're facing bills of over £3,800 in, in the winter. Yeah. You know, the, the current package of measures of you know, £400 energy bill rebate over the six months of winter is a drop in the ocean. You know, cutting VAT on energy, again, yeah. it's a nice gesture. It's a drop in the ocean. What do you see? You're looking at the markets now. Can you see anything globally that might ease this pressure? I mean, I mean, there are many unsavoury places that are producing oil and gas right now that we all know about. But I mean, you know, is that is that the way that you look at different regimes to supply to get around it? Because the crisis for us, I suppose, is really, as you said, the crisis of Europe affects us rather than the direct crisis for, for us in terms of where we're getting our gas. But Europe is in deep hock to Russia um, across the whole board. Um, you know, my wife's family from Italy and they, you know, they've got a real problem with 
how much gas they get from uh, Russia, same as obviously Germany and other parts of Europe. So is there a way that there can be some stabilization in, in you can see in the markets or do you just see an upward curve for the next six, seven months? Yeah, so at the moment, what we're seeing is that there's a lot of uh, risk and uncertainty priced into gas prices. So uncertainty as to what will Russia do next coming into the winter? And uh, I guess that's kind of creates a bit of fear and uncertainty in the market. I guess when we look across Europe, we know that Europe's now agreed to kind of cut their gas gas usage over the winter, I think it's by 15%. I think I was reading this morning that cities in particular in Germany, like um, Hanover, have decided to kind of cut hot water in municipal buildings and yeah, yeah. some impulse. I mean, it's incredible, really. Yeah, it, it's, you know, for a, a first world country to be kind of taking those kind of actions to you know, cut kind of basic civil amenities feels like a really, really strange place to be in the in the 21st century. But I, I guess these are the kind of decisions that countries are going to have to face over the next six months or face even higher gas prices. When's this going to end? I'd love to be able to tell you that. I guess what we do see at the moment is that gas prices into summer next year and out into the winter the following year are lower than they are at the moment for, for the coming winter. Yeah. So small bit of relief on the horizon. However, we have seen those continue to rise over the past year. You know, we've got a long time before we kind of come into summer 2023 and how those prices are going to outturn. You said you've been in the energy sector for, for I think you said about 17 years, right? So if you go back, is this a new shift, do you see? Or is this just, you know, the peaks and troughs of the market that's happened over the last kind of 20 years, you know, the crunch in 08 and things like that, and they bounce back and recover? Because there's a, there's a different factor here, which is the climate change factor, yeah? And, and globally, we are all going to have to pick up the cost of trying to decarbonise. So it can't be suddenly that, you know, as in the past, OPEC pumps up some more gas and we'll go, yay, it's great. Yeah, I, we've seen peaks and troughs in the markets previously, but never to this scale. So we've seen prices rise over the course of 12 months, 18 months to, to new highs. But the level that we're seeing at the moment of £500 a megawatt hour on, on power and 500 pence a therm for gas, th these are prices that have never been seen before. So we are into a completely different realm where all the rules of the old world seem to no longer apply. Yeah, people are trying to find the feet in this this new market. Now, are we in transition? Is this is this basically it, really? If you look at it, and Russia's just sort of exacerbated the issue because it's made people think, hasn't it, globally, about the reliance that we have on gas, but but also where the gas comes from. Yeah, it, it absolutely, you know, it sharpens the mind, doesn't it, and focuses people's attention on this. That there's a degree of now we can see how bad the situation can get. So, what can we do, kind of? personally and as a country to get ourselves out of this mess in the future so what are the actions that need to be taken now to avoid us being um uh, to, by being hit by this in the future what what would you what would you say we should be doing we absolutely need to be to be addressing our our overall energy consumption and our overall reliance on gas we need to have the the, the right subsidies and incentives in place to support um, both domestic consumers and business consumers to make the right decisions um, and to be able to afford to reduce their overall uh, gas consumption and their overall energy consumption as well. So we've talked previously about um, kind of the electrification of domestic heating. Yeah, you know, that that's not a cheap thing to do. Ripping out you know twenty odd million gas boilers in the in the UK and replacing them with 
um, with air source heat pumps or, or other heating technologies. That's not an easy task to be done. That has to have some degree of um, central coordination to get that level of investment and that level of change transacted across the country. And then I guess on a more structural level, the way that we're uh, generating power with our reliance on, on gas to generate power needs to change. We need to have greater investment into renewables. Um, we need to have greater investment into um, our use of, of hydrogen technology um, to really wean us off our reliance on global gas. What about the nuclear side of things? What's your view on that? I think the um, personally, I, I I think the the potential for small uh, modular nuclear yeah. reactors um, yeah. is is really exciting. The 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 ability to kind of have um, consistent power generation um, with a low carbon impact um, yeah. that can be uh, that, that can be built quickly can be built. Um, distributed across the country um, rather than centralised in large power stations uh, in a particular location. That's a, a really attractive feature of um, uh, kind of the future of nuclear. For us now, um, before we sort of end, we, we've got to look at where we've got to be. And I think you've raised a couple of points here, which is maybe the only good to come out of it is the, the, the government and industry, particularly businesses, must go, how do we cut use? how do we cut use and then how do we get different sources um what what are your feelings you know when you guys look at the market what do you think could be the triggers to try and rebalance things so i think the, the triggers to to rebalance things is really giving um both consumers and um business customers the the kind of the price signals and the incentives to to make that change i guess it's fine for a kind of a, a top-down um government policy to say this is the direction we're taking i guess for um businesses and domestic customers to be bought into that there needs to be that kind of those price signals to kind of make those changes in your behavior but also the incentives to come to go out and invest yourself um, and kind of be proactive in making those decisions to, to decarbonize and to reduce your your overall energy consumption yeah is it all doom and gloom adam how do you feel <laughs> great question um genuinely I, I wish i could be on here talking about more positive news um but at the moment um i can see us as as a country facing high bills for uh for a, for a while to come now um uh, I'd, I'd love to be back on in January telling you, do you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong, yeah. <laughs> I, I was wrong, don't worry about it. You built it down to a £1,000. But um, unfortunately, at the moment, uh, I can't see that happening. What, what do you feel about it all personally? Because we all have to cope with it. You know, I don't know if you've got kids or whatever, but you know, everyone's got their, their own life, their family. Their, you know, cutting back is, is, is hard because we're so used to it. But in a way, maybe this is the other thing. is You, got, you make a decision of how much you consume and what you actually do. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, I've had these discussions with, with my wife and children. Um, you know, we're, you know, as a household, facing an increase in our direct debit by three, four hundred pounds um, at the moment. And yes, you, yeah. 
we're Me all too. having to make decisions as to you know what are we you know what are we keeping on what are we turning off um and you know where else can we uh, make adjustments in our spending to kind of to foot the bill you're turning into your dad adam turn the lights off that that's <laughs> it close eye on that thermostat but it, this is the thing i i i, I find myself suddenly realize all the things that i grew up because you know prices were so high it comparatively to what people earned in the 70s 80s 90s compared to now you know we've taken i suppose in a way this is our own fault because we've had such cheap energy for so long yes exactly we've been fortunate that um yeah gas and electricity has been relatively cheap um for the past few years we've had an abundance of um kind of small challenger supplies in the market where we've all been able to get access to uh cheap power cheap gas yeah yeah and you know we've yeah, fill your boots while it's cheap. Um, but that world has changed dramatically and that world has changed really quickly. Um, and yeah, we're, we're facing kind of a, a paradigm shift and we're you know, facing a brand new world now. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Slightly depressing, but realistic. And that's the main thing that we need. Thanks very much. Uh, Adam Jones there. Rob, who records this with me, said that was the most depressing <laughs> chat. <laughs> Oh gosh, I wish I could give you better news, but it's real. It's realism that we need to be honest about where things are. And uh, unfortunately, I do think uh, that Adam's right. We are facing a time of unprecedented costs, which look like in the short term, they will just keep going. Um, there are things you can do. You know, we, we can look at energy efficiency. We should do more of that. So let's do that. And also remember there are tips out there for you in terms of how you can try and balance things. If you go to Future Net Zero and you have a look at what we're doing with the Carbon AAA program, uh, that will help you. But also you can see there's lots of um, stories in our news section about what's being allowed, where there's ways for you to get help from energy companies that will try and help you out. So do make sure you check that out. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, supporting us. Keep doing so. Uh, we'll be bringing you some more stuff. And uh, come this autumn, we'll be starting something new. We'll be doing uh, some sort of themes, certain weeks where we cover a theme and the Hero podcast will be following that theme. And so I'm looking for people to contribute. Our first themes will be uh, EVs and charging, which obviously a lot of people have got an interest in. Uh, we'll be looking at the energy markets uh, and we'll be looking at uh, renewables and how we use them. So if you're interested in any of that, then do get in touch. And if you want to be featured on the Net Hero podcast, just email nethero at futurenetzero.com. See you next week. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.